Zero Res Carpet Cleaning has been proven in lab tests to remove more dirt and soils than other methods. Their powered water cleaning means no soap, no shampoos, and no toxic chemicals. Schedule your Zero Res Cleaning today by calling them at 801-288-9376. All right, PK, that was a heck of a tease. Dale Murphy, the Atlanta Braves. And then Rocket Man. (laughs) What do you got for us? Well, Elton John, a.k.a. Reginald Dwight, has a home in Atlanta, and he spends a lot of time there. I think he moved there in the early 1990s, and you talk about the Braves Superstation. And I can remember when that came out in uh, Living in Arizona, and I was uh, I was a Braves fan. Bob Horner, when I was growing up, was just the ultimate baseball player. He was a local kid. Went to Apollo High School. They put up a big uh, screen in left field because there was some homes. And uh, so Bob kept hitting them into the homes. So they put up a screen over left field. And they did that at Moon Valley. I don't know if you remember a guy named Ozzy Virgil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He played in the big leagues. Philadelphia, well, maybe? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And I think Atlanta, too. But anyway, and his dad was a coach. So in, in Moon Valley's field, it... Uh, out in left field that went on to 35th Avenue, which uh, every eight streets in Phoenix is a, is a bigger road, you know, so 35th, 43rd, and so forth and so on as you head west. It would be like here how we go, you know, uh, south and all that stuff, and the numbers get bigger. You go west, the numbers get bigger. Central Avenue runs through Phoenix. And so 35th was a fairly major street, and... They had to put a big screen up there because he kept hitting him over and going onto the road. <laughs> so, so anyway, I became a fan of the Braves because of Bob Horner, and then you end up watching them, and you can, you end up learning about these guys. You know what I mean? And you end up watching them, and you, you end up you know their whole lineup. So there was a time there I could tell you everything about the Cubs and the Braves because the Cubs and the Braves with WGN they were on, and. I've never been a big, uh, you know, winning and losing, but I'm big, big fans of these teams because I saw them so much. Well, that's what Elton John did too. He moves to Atlanta, and apparently he is a massive Braves fan. And in at the time too, with Dale Murphy, so he became a huge Dale Murphy fan. And I'm reading something. I looked it up. I can't remember who said. I just heard it the other day, and somebody was saying. I think it might have been Herb Street or something. They were talking, maybe it was on college football. And Herb Street's a big baseball fan because he grew up in the Cincinnati, Columbus area. And so he was a, and if you time it out for him when he was growing up, the well, Reds had what it were going. The Reds? I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously they were awesome, right? They had all those Hall of Famers and they were winning World Series. All it seemed like, uh, I don't remember how, they, how many they won, but it seemed like, man, they were a powerhouse in those days, the big red machine. So he's telling a story. I think it was Herb Street, but I'm not sure. And he was with Elton John having a conversation. And Elton John, he's not just talking about Greg Maddox and John Stoltz and Glavin, these Hall of Fame dudes, and Dale Murphy was a high-profile guy. He's talking about middle relievers, and he's breaking it down. (laughs) He's talking about Mark Lemke, a little second baseman. And he says, in a way, it's very poetic. I watched it and fell in love with the game, and I learned how it worked. And I love it, and the Braves became my team. 
I watch baseball whenever I am on the road, whether it's the Braves or it's someone else. For me, it's a huge rate relaxation. And like cricket, one of the most poetic things you can do is watch the game of baseball. You know, I'm trying to think of sports. I got to tear up here. Carry it for a second, would you please? I'm trying to think of sports that I know. You tear up. Wipe that tear away. I'm trying to think of sports that I know less about than the sport of cricket. And there's a lot of sports I've got some idea, and I can kind of follow what's going on. And I I like cricket. I would put football in there for you too. No idea. Oh, that wasn't rude at all. (laughs) I thought you were wiping a tear away. You got over that pretty. I know, but then I reverted back to my usual (laughs) self. Right. If I'm going to show you who I am, believe me. You know, I I thought of you. uh, Did you see that mail carrier story yesterday? Because now it's all about, you know, these ballots, right? And the mail-in ballots. You can all of them mail-in ballots. So there's a mail carrier in Jersey who is, uh, I think he's been charged. I think he's got some hearing or something. It's somewhere in the process. And there were all these ballots. But it wasn't just ballots. It was um, packages and there was all kinds of stuff. And, and I, don't know, I don't know what the motivation is. The story didn't go into it. I don't know if he just got sick going to work. But whatever, they just found these bags of stuff by the side of the road. He just didn't want to do it, apparently. I don't know. So it's just all these. And they list all the stuff that's in these. It's all been cataloged, right? It wasn't just ballots, but there were ballots in there. So, of course, it ties into the current election. And I'm thinking, I wonder what town it is in Jersey. Because this is what you've done to me now, right? And he goes through it. And, get, and it was like buried. It was forever. It's like, this should be the lead. This is the most important important thing. I got down like eight paragraphs and you ready for it, PK? West Orange. <laughs> West Orange, huh? It was West. Is that Storange or is that uh-huh. East Orange? I forget which one's Storange. Which, <laughs> which one do they run together? Uh, I think it's more West. Oh, more West. Okay. So it's Storange. Yeah. It's Storange. I'm surprised yeah. how many stories come out of, uh, out of those communities. And I only know about them because of you. <laughs> I've spent, I think, like, I don't know, maybe all told four or five days of my life in Jersey. Oh, well. S- soccer sure trips, that's it. Four, <laughs> four of the five best days of your life. But uh, <laughs> There it is. Yeah. There's a west and an east and a south and an orange, but not a north. Cracked me up when I saw that. I'm like, ah! I wonder if PK somehow related, if that's some third cousin or something. I don't know. Yeah. Elton John being a Braves fan, who are our most famous jazz fans? Who are our most famous uh, Ute fans? Who are our most famous Cougar fans? You know the most famous Cougar fans because he followed you on Twitter. Donnie Osmond? He's up there. I was is, he, say, is Steve, he a hardcore Cougar fan? Does Steve Young count as a Cougar fan? No, 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 they don't count. No, They're okay. ex-players. Yeah, no. then, then Donnie no. Osmond. I think Donnie's right up there. Yeah, then I would... I would I would think Donnie. Is he a, is I don't know. Is he a hardcore BYU fan? I don't know that. He seems to tweet about them fairly often. In my limited well, obviously he's from that area. He still lives there. Yeah, so lives in Provo. Uh you see him on his social media with his grandkids. He's out in the community. I've seen him in the community there a number of times, just doing it whatever his thing is. Uh so I'm at restaurants. Uh for it, it, Donnie Osmond's one of my heroes, man. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting all your heroes today. Adam Sandler, yeah, Donnie Osmond. <laughs> to realize how internationally famous he is, but still a normal dude. That's to me, that I'm giving 
Donny Osmond the utmost respect that he has been able to maintain some form of regular normal sanity despite being literally an international star. I don't know. I was I couldn't put myself in that position. But we've seen so many of these people have so many issues. I'm sure he's got some issues that he doesn't want us talking about. And fortunately, I don't know them. No one has an issue-free life that I'm aware of. Uh, one guy down the street, and he bugs me. Uh, he has it. He has five perfect kids, and everybody talks about him in the neighborhood because we're all jealous of him. Uh, but other than that, uh, to have all this stuff that he's accomplished. And still have a normal life to where he can go to his kids' uh, grandkids now soccer game and stand on the sideline and and just be like me and you or whoever it might be all of us. Don't you have enormous respect for that? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I wonder if we, uh, you know, know everything. I mean, I, whenever I hear someone has a perfect life, like the guy with the five of course we don't. down the street, right? I'm always figuring like, well, then there's just more we don't know. It would be exhausting to know everything about everybody. I don't want right. to know everything about everybody. I get, I get that, and <laughs> I don't want to know. About I'd be wiped these. out. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure there's stuff, but, but I do. Nevertheless, I do like this certain, to his certain degree of uh, international fame as a child, no less. That's the, I think that's the thing, you know, you're still developing, you're still young, you're, and I think in his case, basically a teenager, um, but you know, you see it with the child acting stars and all that, it, it, it can, it can throw people off of track course. pretty, pretty quickly and pretty easily. Yes, they got millions of problems. Right. So to just see him at a Tipview High football game. They get game, all his fame at a young age. Sitting, uh, sitting 20 feet away from somebody and the, the knee on the out. chin. Yeah, just, just watching the game and. It was whatever nephew or whoever was playing. I don't know what it was. Somebody told me. I don't remember. But he was there to see yeah. some kid. And so yeah, there he was. Right. And it was totally, there was no, uh, there was no circus in the stands. Look at me. You know, the focus was, he was there to support whoever, uh, you know, and so the focus was on them. The focus wasn't on him. That was good. All right, DJ PK, right. we got to take a break. Yeah. When we come back, Mark Harlan, University of Utah Athletic Director, the schedule's out. Are they going to be 10 a.m. kick times? There's a, a basketball season to uh, organize and plan. A lot of questions for Mark Harlan coming up at 8.30. He's going to join us in our next segment. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Brian Fisher from Athlon Sports. Granted, the level of competition hasn't been great, but where are you at on the BYU hype train? I'm on the bandwagon. I don't know if I'm uh, right in the front seat, but I'm definitely closer to the front than a lot of people. I mean, look, we understand the level of competition and, and factor that in, but um, it's all about playing who's in front of you, and, and BYU has done that you know, quite well. You know, Yes, the focus is always going to be on Zach Wilson and, and the quarterback position and throwing the ball around, but I've been very impressed with the defense. They, they have certainly taken care of business and, and done what they've needed to against some very different uh, style offenses and you know, really up front. Um, you know, one of the strengths of the team has always been you know, in the trenches and, and I think they're you know, certainly one of the better Power 5 teams uh, in that respect and, and we've seen that so far this year. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Scheduled to be joined in a few minutes by Mark Harlan, Athletic Director at the University of Utah. Plenty of things to uh, talk about with him here in a uh, most unusual college uh, football season and uh, college sports year. Um, it's up on our, uh, it's up on our uh, Facebook page here. What do you want to know? 
from uh, Mark Harlan. David, when are they going to be on DirecTV? And when are they going to fire Larry Scott? (laughs) Well, there's something we can't talk to him about. It's not an AD's decision. It's not, no, not at all. It's it's not an AD's decision. But, I mean, I would think that the individual president, in this case President Watkins, would be consulting with Mark Harlan, his athletic or her athletic director, uh, many times over on all of the issues affecting the University of Utah athletics. I mean, that just only makes sense. So to say he wouldn't have a voice, I think is wrong, but obviously he doesn't have a final decision whatsoever. And really, even the individuals who have the final decision don't have the final decision unilaterally. Uh, there's also the uh, Parker posting this, the locker room situation at Rice-Eccles Stadium. What are the different options he's mentioned? Now, he did a Zoom call probably a couple weeks ago now where he brought that up. And anyone who's driven by the stadium there is a, kind of a main drag there off the south end zone can look and say, yep. hey, Whoa. that thing in the south end zone has gone. <laughs> there's no, I'm looking right at the field. It's not a concrete no, area. No, no, it's, it's all cleaned out. Uh, and so, uh, and he, so he told the story about uh, an AD, I think it was a text, not a phone call, but whatever it was. There was communication from an AD that uh, you could put up a tent and it would be right. better than the locker room facilities you had. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. We've all known that. Yeah. And it's three, it's only three home games this year, so they'll get through that. But we'll see if they have a plan for that. I think they had multiple plans he didn't really Oh, want the to. interim plan? Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll manage to do it. A lot of stadiums have undergone construction while still playing games the devils had theirs and arizona had theirs and so forth coliseum has undergone a hundred different type of renovations over the years it seems and all the years that i've been there for the uh trojans playing so yeah and then when that facility gets done it's going to be primo man it's it's the one thing that it needed and to me the stadium is it's it's already very nice and it's going to they're going to have everything they need to be successful. And, and they have a lot of what they need to be successful. It's one of the reasons why they've been successful. I like the logic there. <laughs> well, it's, I, I just get – the stuff about outsiders, they're surprised that the U of U is doing so well. It's because you haven't been here, man. You don't know what it's about. You don't know about the leadership. You don't know about the stability. You don't know about the – great fan base and the family on three and how people feel it when they're there these are things that we know that i know because we're around the program we know the folks and to me it's obvious why the u of u is doing so well in football i'm a little mystified why they're not better in basketball and hopefully they get there but in football, to me, it's absolutely obvious. They should be doing this. They're doing what they're supposed to do. What There's no reason why they don't do it. And they are doing it. You know, I think that uh, it's interesting that the two most passionate fan bases in the conference, uh, yes, their teams are winning because that's always part of the equation, but also they're not in the shadow of NFL teams. USC and Washington have good fan bases, and that's a really hard thing to build in the shadow of an NFL team. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Mark, good morning. 
Good morning. How we doing, guys? We're doing well. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to ask you about, uh, but I guess let's start first big picture. For a while there, you were definitely drinking out of the fire hydrant. There were just curveballs coming at you. I can mix my metaphors and similes here all day long. There were curveballs coming at you every hour. Has it settled down a little bit? Is there a little bit of, okay, here's what we have to do. Here's the plan. Now let's try to execute this. Or do you still click on an email uh, pick up your phone and just realize, well, I just have to take that box and turn everything upside down and dump it out and start over again. Well, you know, empathetic to everybody dealing with, with COVID-19, right? I mean, I think everybody can relate to the fact that every day is a little different, you know, whether your kid's in school or, or not in school and, and, and work and, and otherwise. And to your point, we're not immune to uh, you know, all of that here. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a heck of a six, seven, eight months. Um, seems like in some, some cases, two years and other times it feels like five minutes, but where we are today, uh, this morning, as I call you is there's a lot of excitement here. There's a lot of excitement with, with our football program, uh, a few days away from camp Kyle and, and, you know, they've been in a 12 hour working session for quite some time and, and they're getting ready to get the pads on and, um, get after it. And now that they have a schedule, uh, they can see the light. And, and when football is lifted in that way, it lifts the whole department. Everybody gets that, that energy. Uh, we've been able to take some people off of furlough uh, that will help us stage the games and, and get ready. That's been a real awesome development for us uh, to be able to do that. Not everybody, but but some people that, that obviously are, are structured in that. And so there's a lot of good news right now, but we also know with this virus that uh, where there's an up day, there could be a, a down day tomorrow. And it's just my role and, and folks working here to just keep everything moving forward, despite uh, the information you're dealing with. Yeah, that's well said as far as the, the crazy nature of it. And we don't really know what's around the corner, literally. And that's one of the things that I was surprised with the conference starting on the 7th, maybe the 6th. I don't know if that's been decided. But that Saturday, the 7th, and it leaves no margin for error. And, you know, I've been talking to the folks there in your football program, and they have been. Somebody told me, you know, we are just so tired of lifting weights and running. You know, they have been doing all this stuff, as you say. So my, my point for you is – uh, are you surprised or was there any way, maybe surprise isn't the right word, but any way maybe some of these teams couldn't have started earlier because Kyle has said they could have gone earlier. So therefore you build in some flexibility into the schedules in case some things arise that you don't anticipate now, but we see, see that it wouldn't be that more big of a stretch that a game or two in the conference can get canceled and then you don't have any flexibility to move stuff around. Whereas if you started earlier, maybe you would have. Well, there's no question as it relates to, to our situation here. We would have preferred to have started you know, earlier. Uh, I think the week before was, was certainly something that we had talked about. Uh, there were some others that uh, felt like they were ready to, but quite candidly, it was very few uh, that really felt like they were in that situation. Um, you, know, you probably saw yesterday in media day, I think we had two of our coaches uh, say they're still waiting for clearance. Uh, to be able to to get out in, in groups larger than 12 uh, in California tomorrow. But, you know, I think collectively uh, the conference felt like, uh, you know, if you don't have more than four or five schools, you know, even number, obviously four or six schools that are ready to go, let's just all take the same time to get ready for that first weekend. And that turned out to be the, the, the weekend of November 6th, 7th. And so, you know, 
obviously from a transparent point of view, we would have preferred to go earlier to your point, having a, a weekend that, uh, you know, some schools could have maybe had a buy probably would have been a good thing, but we're beyond that now. You know, we voted as a conference, our chancellors and presidents made that decision and, and we lock in like everybody else. And, uh, you know, November 7th is going to be here pretty quick. So we know that that uh, November 7th isn't going to involve a, uh, a 9 a.m., 10 a.m. here, but 9 a.m. local time game with Arizona State and USC. Is this like a one-time kind of trial run here? Is this something everybody's likely to sample over the uh, course of the season? Or is this something we're going to see uh, going forward, even when there are fans back in the stadiums, presumably, whether it's a year, two, three? Is this going to kind of become a normal part of life in the Pac-12? Well, as it relates to this year, I think there might be another window or two possi- possibly uh, on the 12 noon Eastern Big Fox uh, slot that we saw Arizona State. There I said it on your show. I said Arizona State. I was going to avoid that today. <laughs> it's like bingo last night. I said it. Um, so we, we, if, if the window comes open to us, as, as Kyle has said, you know, he and I had a long talk about it. We just felt like it made a lot of sense this year whether we're home or on the road, to, to, to try it. We, we love the window. We love the national exposure. Students really love playing on that, on that stage. There's a lot of reasons to do it. And, you know, the big apprehension of not doing it is, is fans and what that puts people through. And, you know, with the decision not to have fans, you know, it made sense to, to really take a good look at it and, 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 then, and then look back at it after it's over, you know, besides just winning or losing a game, but how did it all work out? You know, I don't remember what coach said it yesterday, but, you know, we, we have these sometimes these 8 o'clock games out here, as we all know, and what's not talked about a lot, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of the, what the fans go through in the late windows on a Saturday night, but what the players go through, you know. I mean, to, to be in a hotel all day long, getting your bodies and, and, you know, shape and how you eat and, and all that stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a long road. And so I think that's just as traumatic in some ways is, is getting up that early. Um, and a lot of our kids, they wake up so dang early cause they're so excited about the game anyway. So we're really kind of hoping it, it happens for, for all the reasons that we talked about as far as it being a continuation, I still haven't done enough listening to, to folks about how it would affect them. Um, as, as far as being a fan. I mean, I, I can guess and assume, um, but I, I need to do more work. My team needs to do more work. So it wouldn't be automatic at all. Um, but it's something I think at least we'll know how the team managed it as we look at it in the future. How is the university going to handle these scholarship issues with these individual athletes across the board, both uh, guys and, and women, in terms of if they want to come back and not use this year as uh, counting towards their eligibility? Well, we're, we're all in on what the NCAA decides to do, right? There's no question that if, uh, you know, if, if you want to come back as a senior, you know, you're entitled to that. The way the rule reads is, you know, you're, you're frozen this year, so to speak, just like we saw with our spring athletes. So we're seeing this in baseball and softball come to mind, super seniors as I refer to them. You know, and that just comes back to them having conversations with their coaches, where are they going to fit in, uh, with an incoming freshman class now uh, coming in as well, do they see it as, as something that they want to do? They have conversations, and it goes from there. But they're entitled to to be back. Uh, we saw, I think, of our 33 super seniors, I want to say our number was, I think about 11 or 12 came back 
someone on with with their lives or, or went to other institutions. But we're we're uh, we're all in on that decision, it, just like we're all in if if a, if a young person wants to opt out uh, this year due to all the COVID and the testing and the concerns. If they opt out, they're they're in good standing and welcome to come back as well. So it's not just one class of super seniors with everybody getting a free year. This could uh, you could be coming up with more scholarship money for multiple years going forward. How do you deal with that? You are on top of that. A lot of folks don't uh, don't mention that. They think of the seniors. Everybody's frozen. It's a free year for, for the entire the state football. It's a free year for everybody. So, yeah, it's going to be four or five years of managing, uh, you know, this in some sort of way. What, what gets interesting is that, so in football this year, we, we obviously are restricted to 85 scholarships. Next year, the number goes to, to how many seniors come back. And so you'll, you know, you'll have that to deal with. And then the following year, unless the rule changes, you have to go back to 85. So that's a real interesting challenge for coaches to manage their roster. You know, obviously it could be a, a pretty tough effect for rising. I guess that we'd be juniors right now um, because there might not be a lot of space on rosters. So it's going to be, you know, there's definitely some consequences of all this, but it's still the right thing to do for dealing with students that are here during COVID and what they've had to manage to give them that opportunity. You spoke of fans uh, in terms of the early starts. So there have been some reports that, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't want to have or is not going to have fans, but yet uh, I believe you were quoted as saying that you may let some fans in, whether they be family members, to the three home games this year. How is that going to work? Yeah, so the league the league uh, chancellors and presidents did give some space for, for schools that are able to, to have a very limited family and friends of, of, the, of the, the teams that are competing. So imagine maybe a number that's in the 400, 500 range at most where, you know, our student athletes on the roster could have maybe four guests and then um, our coaches, uh, families, uh, and that would, that would be it, absolutely it. And that's only if it's allowed. And I, from what I understand in California and Oregon, and I believe Washington, they're not going to have that availability until sometime, you know, maybe late in the spring or, or not until fall of 21. And then I think there's four, um, those Arizona schools and Colorado and ourselves that might have that opportunity depending on how things are in our community. But, gosh, I'm really hoping so. You know, it, it, it's, it's such a disappointment to not have our fans in there. We, I was just talking about with one of our football coaches yesterday. It's just you, you can't even get your mind around it. We've all, you know, we've all seen the empty stadiums on television, but when it finally comes to you and you start – thinking about running around in there without that crowd, which we know has helped us win football games on multiple occasions. So, um, But at the very least, if, if the family of, of our kids could be there, that, that would be a, a really nice thing to do, and we're hoping to be able to, to do so. You know, everybody who drives up the hill uh, right past the end of the stadium looks over, sees no south end zone, and wonders, how are you going to play three home games with no locker rooms? <laughs> Seems like a small detail, but it fascinates a lot of people, maybe just because so many people can drive by the stadium and see it. Uh, do you have that plan nailed down? Yeah, Kyle Brennan and uh, Jeff Rudy have been working on that along with Gavin Gower, facility uh, director. They've been they've been contemplating this for a while. When we saw, obviously, what was going on, and we, we met with Leighton Construction, we they said to us, hey, guys, if we can get after this early and knock this, this down, you know, it would be good for everybody. And, and so that was, gosh, back in May, June, maybe even earlier. But before we could do that, we had to have a, at least an outline of a plan and how it would work if, if, we, if we were able to get going. 
So they had a plan, and, and obviously they've dusted it off. I mean, I, I can see some something to the effect where we dress in the Eccles football building, we, we cross the street, uh, and then we have some un- space that's underneath the stadium that we could use for halftime. Um, and then as far as the visiting team, we're, you know, we're looking at options, everything from Einar Nelson to, to other areas. So we, we've got a plan, and uh, you know, we might need a, a minute or two extra at halftime um, and I, you know, I think you guys may have seen my quote before. I don't think anybody in our league uh, would think that anything we're doing for them uh, would be any worse than what they currently had uh, when they came here to Rice Eccles in, in the in the visiting locker room. So whatever whatever they get will be fine. But yeah, we're excited about that, and, and it's helped us to be able to keep the project where it needs to be. Um, it'll look a little different on TV now uh, without having anything there. But but uh, we're just so excited to be playing. We'll, we'll manage anything. Yeah, I don't think you were there yet, but you had that one year before the facility was built where they just had those, uh, they put up a bunch of portable buildings on the south side of the practice facility, and we did all that for a year, and it seemed like it was manageable, and they held meetings. We held the weekly Monday thing there, and so it seems like you could be able to do that, and it wouldn't be that big of an issue. As far as this goes, when it's done, uh, as uh, whatever is on the you have constantly building projects for other sports but at that point would football would you be in the mindset of uh, you know we've got everything that we need for a while and and you wouldn't be looking to add other stuff facility wise to your football program well you know you're never done in terms of of you know things that you can do to improve your programs and i think that uh football you know to 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 be elite you always have to to really be strategic in the way you invest and so Whit and I are always talking about, you know, what, what makes sense uh, for us. We know that we have incredible facilities here. Obviously, the Eccles Football Center is, you know, premier in this conference and, and in this country. And as you said, the, the stadium, when completed, going over 50,000 premium seating and just unbelievable addition for, for the, the program. You know, we'll look to to other, other things that uh, – anything that, that can help. You know, as I look at the – indoor facility which obviously this year is is going to be uh utilized more is there more things we can do in there uh you know we've, we've talked about trying to expand some of our outdoor practice fields so you're always looking at at doing things uh and the great thing about the university of utah we have unbelievable donors who uh, are very open to discussing these things and, and helping us move forward utah athletic director mark harlan joining us so the uh, football is a huge thing to get off the ground, but basketball comes right on its heels there. Uh, do you know what the non-conference schedule is going to look like, how that's going to play out? Is the conference schedule nailed down at 18 or 20 games? Is all that still a work in progress, or have you got some stuff figured out? Yeah, we're just about there to figuring out. We made a decision as a conference. I don't think it's been announced yet, but we're going to have anywhere between seven and nine non-conference games. You know, Part of the presidents and chancellors, when they looked at the medical advisory board, output uh, they felt comfortable as long as we were daily testing that that we could move forward in, in non-conference uh, for, for basketball and our remaining sports the rest of the year as long as they follow the protocol of our daily testing so whoever we play has to come in test the day before uh, has to test the day of the game and we would have to do the same so you know that's a that's a complexity that that not everyone is dealing with and so we we've got a you know obviously we have adjust, adjusted dates with those that we had contracts for, and then they all have to agree to that testing policy. So we're kind of going through that process now. We're definitely making 
some headway. The other interesting thing for us is this is the year that we were to have been in Atlantis in, in one of the multi-team events known as MTEs. And that one, too, we're trying to figure out because most of those MTEs have been canceled or totally uh, changed. You know, ours has been moved from Atlantis to South Dakota, which is interesting who came up with that one. But nonetheless, so we're working with them on their testing protocols. Uh, if it matches the Pac-12, we, we really want to stay with that because there's a lot of great teams in that. Uh, so we're figuring that out. We're figuring out the rest of our games. But, you know, Kyle Brennan and Coach Whittingham and Andy Hill and Donnie Daniels, they're all, they're all really uh, <laughs> spending a lot of hours on it. And it's the same thing with our, with our women's uh, team. It's, it's the same complications. But every day there's a little bit more clarity to it. So I'm really hoping that we, uh, we get the schedule all wrapped up here in the next uh, two weeks because I think we're seven weeks from starting. So obviously we need to get that finalized. As far as if you get a number of cases positive, is there going to be a limit like for the high schools if they had 15 they considered closing classes, and some of them went to online. Some of them are going to, you know, A through K, and then the rest of the alphabet. So they're going every other day, and then Friday's an online day and a teacher preparation day and that type of thing. As far as your football program, is there going to be some numbers that you have to keep under in order to continue to practice and play games? Yeah, you're spot on to what we're working on right now. I mean, we've got two two things to, to look at in that regard. One is the typical game. So Arizona, Utah, as we as we approach approach that game, what the directors right now in the conference are working on with, with head coach input is what will it take for that game to be, I guess we have to use the word canceled to your earlier point about no, no place to put the game. What would it take for that game to be canceled? And so we're looking at what that number would be um, from from not only a whole number but also a position by position number. You know, I mean, it, if you don't have quarterbacks, if you don't have offensive line in particular, those positions. And so we're looking at, at kind of wrapping that up maybe as early as next week, so that you know, here's the deal: we're not available because we don't have this. The conference certifies that, and you, that that cancels the game. The second way that, that games could be canceled is, is what the presidents and chancellors have made clear, that they, that they wanted an off-ramp that if you know, community spread, campus issues, whatever it might be from their perspective, that, that they would say, hey, you know, we tried this, we came back, it's just it's not working. Certainly their prerogative, they run the conference, and, and uh, you know, that could happen. So those are the two things that, 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 that could cancel a, a football game. You know, the hope is that uh, we avoid that and and we can get these games in but i think we're all realistic we we all watch what's going on we study what's going on and we know that uh, we're going to be pretty blessed if we get the entire season in across the conference so knowing that there's a there's a decent chance there'll some be some games that just can't be played if it's one of the better teams in the conference and we've seen the preseason poll out so we know who people are assuming slash guessing would those teams be free to play non-conference games against teams that match the testing protocol? Because everybody wants to see the Pac-12 in the playoff for multiple reasons. There's a financial payout. There's reputation issues and all that. And I don't know if seven wins will get you in or not, but I'm thinking 5-0 and or 6-0 and won't. So, that, you know, if there's some way to find one more game for an elite team, is that possible? At this point, no. I mean, it's it's the regular season is is a Pac-12 only, uh, you know, schedule. 
you know, I think that that the the idea that that would be available is probably a, a stretch and, and hard to imagine how if a team, you know, on a Thursday can't play because of what I mentioned earlier, is going to be able to find somebody, you know, to play, you know, because the following week that that team has another Pac-12 game already scheduled. So it's hard to even imagine how it would work. But specifically to your question, our regular season is is uh, Pac-12 only. You know, we are looking at that last weekend, which is the championship weekend, that Friday night championship. You know, for the rest that aren't in the championship game, we're also making some final, you know, final decisions on what that day needs to really look like. And, um, you know, right now the thought is it's it's five versus five, four versus four. But we want to make sure we do a deep dive on that, make sure that's the smartest thing to do. Would it be better to have a game that was needed to be rescheduled to be put on that day? Um, does it make sense for five to play five? We just want to take a really good look at that before we lock it in. But that's the only day that we might be able to do something. Of course, to your point, DJ, I mean, that's, that's you know, our championship teams would be the only two that would be considered going to, to, mm-hmm. to the CFP. So it wouldn't really help in that regard. Yeah. Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, joining us. We've heard the Bahamas Bowl and the Hawaii Bowl are not going to play this year. Are all your bowl partners planning on playing? Would there be any extra bowl games available to the conference? Might there be fewer than normal? Do you have any clarity there? Well, I know the league uh, informed us on Wednesday morning in our in our call that they're going through their league, excuse me, their bowl meetings. Merton Hanks, our new director of football operations, and Jamie Zinovich, the deputy athletic director, are meeting with all the bowls. And so far, so good as it relates to them wanting to be a part of the structure. Uh, you know, it's important for a lot of them. You know, they they have television deals. They'd like to see that revenue. Obviously, conversely, we've got a lot of our bowls in California, and you know, there's you just there's just not going to be fans there. So, can they make it work? Can they, you know? Does their you know financial model allow for for them to be able to handle that? I think probably, you know, we're going to see our bulls stay stay uh, active. It's going to be different. I, I don't know if it would be you know going out for three or four days. Uh, you know, there's a lot of time between now and then. But uh, our hope is that our bulls in our lineup are all there. You know, the bulls that you mentioned are not in our lineup. Uh, but I know there's a lot of conversations going on with our bull partners as we speak. Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mark, thanks for a few minutes and uh, answering your fans' questions. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Now, listen, you know, I'm impressed that none of you asked about your own personal access to the stadium uh, this, 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 this coming month. And so because you didn't ask, that gives you a lot better chance to have the opportunity. <laughs> Actually, I thought about that, but I thought, you know, the fans, they don't really care about the media. So that's our concern and we want to represent what the fans want. But, yeah, obviously, I had somebody as recently as last night ask me, are you going to the games? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's going to be different. It, I tell you, it, it's, it's like we talked about it. It's, it's going to be crazy to manage it all. But we know you guys got to do your work, and, and we got to make sure we're telling the story about these games. But I always appreciate you guys. Give me a holler anytime. All right. Thanks, Mark. Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Craig Bolajak, TV voice of the Jazz, coming up in about uh, 10 or 15 minutes. Stay with us. It's 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, we just had Mark Harlan on. Craig Bolojack's coming up next. For the people who just missed Mark Harlan, you can listen at 1280thezone.com. Everything up is up there. Uh, Yach posts every hour of the show, plus he posts uh, interviews individually, so you can listen to everything at 1280thezone.com and wherever you get podcasts. Your takeaways, PK? We're going to go full steam ahead knowing that they may not be able to have a conclusion of full steam when they look back and they look back there may be all sorts of interruptions and it's going to be interesting to see what uh, the politics are involved versus one versus another and how it's going to shake out Uh, they have great intentions this is something they really want to get done and the idea of letting family and friends in or family of the players and of the coaches i think it's an absolute must they're the ones who need to be in first for sure uh, the rest of us, uh, really, uh, considering the fact that it's Zoom uh, on the post games, even if you're at the stadium, it's still the Zoom stuff. I don't even think they need to let any media in for that matter. Uh, so if that becomes an issue, then then certainly keep us out by all means. Do that because try whatever it takes, whatever somebody decides is necessary for safety, and there may be some political reasons in that. But let's get past those to see if they can get the games. The scholarship crunch is an interesting situation for me because this is going to take, and we ask, I asked it, and then you just asked to follow up to it. It how's it going to play out? Because there were already some seniors in the spring sports, high school seniors I speak of, who got squeezed out for this year mm-hmm. uh, for their sport because kids, uh, men and women, young men and women, were deciding to stay. How is that going to play out? There's a lot of chartered unknown stuff there. And the reality is here financially, you know, have these games because so many people that we don't even really realize their livelihoods depend on that. And it was good to hear Mark say that there are some furloughs that they've been able to bring back, not all. I mean, that's a serious situation. I want every single last one of them to be able to come back because it matters. And then the one thing that I appreciate, I know it's very difficult when you've been the dregs of uh, the college football world for so long. I appreciate that he was able to say Arizona State because he comes to it from an Arizona perspective, and they just absolutely suck. And the one thing I wanted to ask him is there any way on that seventh game, if the Devils don't make the final, that they could play Arizona again so we can beat them twice this year? <laughs> no. Dang it. <laughs> I think with the scholarship thing, there's a couple things. One, the school's financially already taken a hit. So it seems yeah. like the easiest answer would be to take that 85 
scholarship limit and not put it up at 110 because you're going to have some attrition and maybe you recruit a couple kids less than that. But, you know, do you move it to 100 and then walk it down five scholarships a year until you're back at 85? Uh, But that doesn't address two things. That solves some problems, but it raises a couple others is that then, well, you need more money for scholarships, right? And we're talking about it for football, but you'd have to apply the same principle across all the rosters and the other sports. So now you're adding a huge financial hit in an era when money's already tight. There have already been layoffs. There have already been furloughs. There have already been pay cuts. It's happened in multiple schools, multiple campuses. So that's one. And then it also, that that's kind of uh, the administration point of view. You know, that's a problem for ADs and fundraisers. The problem for the coaches is, you know, a football coach is still playing 12 games and there's still 11 kids on the field. So, yes, you can rotate some kids through and it gives you some depth, but you're also creating kids who are going to practice and then just stand there on game day. You know, and those are the numbers in football. But in basketball, you're not going to pl- start playing six kids, right? It's still five guys times 40 minutes. So that's 200 for Larry Kristovac. And the women's program, it's still five players and 40 minutes. So, And you can go to every sport. You know, there, there's still nine guys on a baseball team or softball. You throw in the DHs, 10. So... Even if you increase it, where does all the extra playing time come for? And okay. it's just going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not even looking about that. I'm looking at it that the kid who needs a scholarship to get to college to better his life or her life may not have that opportunity. Yeah, I don't they're going to get squeezed. About the other stuff. They're going to they're going to get squeezed because they let right. the other kids have an extra year to play. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean that is without question. I think you can just do the math and see that's going to happen. So that's. Yeah, creating the super seniors and freezing of year of uh, eligibility for everybody is definitely going to squeeze the student athletes in the next two, three, four recruiting classes. All right, DJ and PK, take a break. Come back with Craig Bowlerjack. He's next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.